Counselor, before your lawsuit even gets off the court clerk's desk, I'll have their stinking bodies in garbage bags and ship them back to Japan for fertilizer. Got it? And you too. Excuse me, miss. By the way, what's an all-American girl like you doing with a geek like this? This is the podcast, and of course, we talk about all the films that apparently nobody else liked because they didn't do well at the box office, or the critics hated them. I'm one of your hosts, Troy, and with me always is my bestest buddy, Brad. How are you, Brad? We're, we're right there, right around the corner for Turkey Day. Are, are you excited? You know, COVID has you know, changed a lot of plans, so it's, it's going to be different this year. But, you know, we still have things to be thankful for, this podcast for one of them, um, yes. and, you know... I'm trying to think of uh, be a half full kind of guy. So, you know, we're going. Okay. Well, hey, before we get into it, I do have one question for you, Brad. What's an American what boy that? like you doing with a geek like me? <laughs> well, hey, I, <laughs> um, th- if that gives you any clue. Are you going to ask me if I'm circumcised next? Yeah, no, a little bit later. <laughs> okay. um, that's a follow-up okay. question. So if you haven't guessed, uh, the movie we're talking about tonight is 1991's Samurai Cop. Um, just a little bit of the sample of the fantastic dialogue um, we have yet to discuss um, when we talk about this buddy cop action adventure film from early 90s. Last episode, one of the things that I recommended to everybody if you were playing along is don't watch this by yourself. I, I don't think I've ever seen this by myself. I couldn't imagine watching this movie by myself. And so in order to get the full effect of a movie like this, we thought, hey, it can't just be Brad and I. So we wanted to bring on a listener and a really good friend of ours, um, Nathan, uh, to come onto the show and enjoy Samurai Cop and uh, share all his, thought, uh, his thoughts with us. So Nathan, how are you tonight, man? Can, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing all right. As uh, Brad, I'm over COVID. I don't think we're the only two in the world, though. So <laughs> Yeah, just me and Nathan. We're the only ones, we're we're the only only ones. ones over it. Yeah. I was gonna say, everybody seems to be enjoying it. I don't know what you guys, yeah. uh, <laughs> what, what you're so upset about. No, I get it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, we're not, I think this is the first Thanksgiving. We're really not going to see any family. Um, yeah, that's a total bummer. Um, video just doesn't cut it. But if we're talking silver lining, that does mean that's a lot more apple pie um, and pumpkin pie and turkey and everything I don't have to share. So, and all the whipped cream for you as well. Yeah, and I, Nathan knows I'm I'm uh, <laughs> when I get a piece of pie, it, the pie to whipped cream ratio, so it's like four to one, I think, uh, meaning more whipped cream than pie. So, but Nathan, listen, uh, before we get into all the the turkiness of this episode, talking about Samarin Cop, um, one of the things we like to do with people who come on the show is have a little get to know you segment. So we always have five questions for anybody who comes on to the show for the first time. This is your, your first stint on Not A Bomb. 
Um, some of these questions are the same, and I know you've listened to other episodes, so you've studied, um, but there, we did throw a couple of curveballs in here. So are you, are you ready, Nathan? This, is, this gives everybody who doesn't know you sort of a chance to get to know you very quickly with five, um, and, and we actually had true psychologists bring these up and create these questions for us. So this is science at work here. It's kind of like a Rorschach test verbal. But better. Better than that. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So you ready for your first question, Nathan? I think so. We'll see. Okay. So this is a movie podcast. And in order for everybody to understand if they're going to agree with you, the first place we'd like to start is what is your favorite movie of all time? Um, the one that I actually wore out a VHS tape with some friends. And don't judge me for this because I was younger. But uh, it was Billy Madison. W- wow. <laughs> Adam Sandler's <laughs> Billy Madison. Um, hey, that's one of his better movies. So we'll it is on. one of his better movies. Kind of, I, I would say it's up there with like Happy Gilmore. Um, now, movies that I've seen in theaters multiple times: uh, The Matrix, I saw three times; Prestige, I saw three times. So, if I had to recommend one that probably had a higher likelihood of someone actually liking it, it would be The Prestige. Okay, so for your fun, kind of check your brain at the door, something you like to watch with a group of friends, it's Billy Madison. And then would you say Prestige is sort of your, your quality movie pick? Like, that's my favorite movie of all time from um, cinematography, director, acting, like true true film experience? I think as a whole, um, I kind of struggle with this question. I mean, it's more of kind of a depends on the genre for me. So if you say what comedy or what drama, then I, I might be able to give a more solid answer. But um, I, I would definitely rank Prestige up there among all genres for myself. So Okay, good picks, good picks. All right, Brad. The- Science. That reminds work. me. I need to. Uh, that reminds me. I need to go back and watch the Prestige. It's been a while. So. Yeah, I, I remember watching it a couple of times when it came out on home media. But um, like you, I don't. I don't think I've watched it for a long time. I, yeah, I, I, I think I've seen The Illusionist since seeing the Prestige. So I think I need to. Yeah, you really need to correct that. Correct that error. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Number two. Do you believe? Do you believe aliens exist? And if so, what are they like? Ooh. Um. That's that's a fun curveball. I wasn't expecting that one. Well, we we've got uh, to sort of judge your sanity on this one, so there is a right answer. I, I think they do exist as lizard people that have okay. taken over. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was going to say you were you're on a roll. We were agreeing with you. <laughs> I mean, I have not seen proof to prove that they exist, and I don't know if it really matters. So I guess I haven't really given it too much thought. Um, funny enough that you bring that up, but Ancient Aliens is kind of a fall asleep show for me. So okay, I don't and, know. How and they have like that crazy haired guy on there all the time yes. with all those theories, yes. which he's always funny. And I don't know how, but as the season progresses, hair gets crazier. But do you do you believe his theories, Nathan? No, because what they do is in that, that there's a the formula to that show is they ask you questions like. What if aliens did this and did that and did that, but they never present any evidence for answering that question? I, kind of like election fraud. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Similar. But, I mean, I don't know. We're, we're going to have to take a minute to dissect this one. I, I don't know how to score that answer. So while I'm calculating it, um, well, no, I, I guess answer. I can't. Brad's going to do the calculation on that one. I'll ask the next question. So while you're answering this one, we'll come up whether or not we thought that was a good answer for number two. <laughs> so, Nathan, if Hollywood made a movie about your life, who would you like to see play the lead role as you? Um, 
I don't know if I fully believe this, but I've had a couple people tell me that I look like John Krasinski um, as far as that. mannerisms. Um, I could see that. Yes. Yeah, you need so. some featherish, longer hair. Um, oh yeah, no. I mean, I get the mannerisms. But, okay. Yeah. Now, would would you would you do a comedy? Would you, would it be a comedy genre action event? Would it be like a quiet place, all thriller, horror like, or? Um, that's a good question. Probably either. I think my life would uh, present better as a comedy than a okay. drama. Okay. So. I like it. I like it. Um, results are back on your question about aliens, and you failed that question. I'm sorry, Nathan. But, hey, there are still two more questions. Brad's going to um, get the next one. No whammies. Yeah. No whammies. Uh, what's the cheesiest movie moment or line you can think of? Ever? Not or from, Sam- from Samurai? Oh. Not from Samurai Cop. Ever. Yeah, that one by default you can't you can't mention. So it's got oh. to be something. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I know you love bad films as much as I do. So there's got to be a scene or a moment or something that just sticks out. When somebody says, Nathan, I need a recommendation of a a very bad film. What comes to mind? And then what scene, line, or moment would you just say, man, that just capsulates? One of the first films that comes to mind, and probably we would have worn it out if it was on a VHS tape as well, is uh, Frogs. Sam Elliott, <laughs> which has got uh, racist grandpa in the wheelchair, as we uh, belovedly refer to him, me and my buddies. Uh, let's see, Frogs is from 1972, but yeah, it's got a lot of, it's just like one of the first Nature Strikes Back movies, and it just, all these people are freaking out while nature is kind of fighting back, but nature's really not doing much. It's just more people, I feel like, bumbling over and killing themselves in this movie. Wow, um, that, that was and there's just that whole that movie. Right? I feel like is a moment with just bad dialogue and the same footage of frogs shown over and over. So I've never seen it. It's um, I watch it with friends. Okay, and drink every time you see a frog. Oh, dude, you'll pass out. Oh. No, that's like liver damage. Don't do that. Uh, here at Not a Bomb, we strongly recommend you do not drink every time you see a frog <laughs> during a movie called Frogs. So that's our disclaimer. Um, okay, last one. Good. Hey, that was a deep cut, Nathan. That that makes up for the fact you don't believe in aliens. So you're good. You're good. I mean, statistically, give me, they give me proof. Give me proof. There's tons of proof. The government just released all this proof. Like COVID's going on, and they slip out this. Oh, by the way, aliens and UFOs exist. So, but you know what? I mean, I, that's for a different podcast. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> There's almost an infinite number of you know planets, galaxies, and we're the only ones. Come on, statistics. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, no. You're, you're very going. correct that the odds are we're not the only ones, but hey, it's odds just are they probably avoided us, and we won't ever be able to prove it. So, dude, if you, had I would, I would avoid us too. Yeah, so. if you watched the news <laughs> the last sixty days, would you come down here? I don't think so. I think you just no. pass along, right? You'd yep. be like, uh, no, we're we're not stopping. All right, last one. Uh, what is your favorite movie bomb that you would recommend to everyone? Um, I actually was thinking about this and I had to go to my IMDb ratings and I kept finding like movies that I was like, nope, that went did well, no, that did well. Um, favorite movie bomb that I did find that did horrible in the box office is uh, Death to Smoochie. Oh my gosh. That's on our, I, I know that's on our list. I put it on our list. Yes, you did. So, and the budget for that was $50 million. It made $4.3 million U.S., and only eight under eight point four worldwide, so they lost a fair chunk of change on that one. 
Yeah, How did they spend fifty million on? That's got Ed Norton, right? And Robin Williams. Norton, um, Robin Williams. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. No, that that one is coming up. That's part of our list. So that is a fantastic, fantastic pick. I love that film. Um, well, tonight we are talking about 1991 Samurai Cop. So one one of the genres that Samurai Cop fits into quite nicely. And if you hear about um, anybody who was involved in the production, especially Matt Hannon, one of the things they were driving for was an American style um, buddy cop film. So the buddy cop genre has been around in action films for a long, long time. And, and probably one of the biggest ones you can think of right off the you know top uh, of your head when you say buddy action films, it's Lethal Weapon, right? So I thought, you know, a good question to talk about in this particular genre is what do you think is a good classic um, or, or buddy cop film that just doesn't get a lot of, of attention? So you've got your Lethal Weapons, even your Rush Hours with Jackie Chan, you know, did so well. Everybody knows about those. Um, and if you're playing Not a Bomb Bingo, go ahead and mark Jackie, you know, Troy mentioned Jackie Chan. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm just curious, guys, before we, we talk about our turkey for this month, which is a buddy cop film. What, what's your favorite um, underrated buddy cop film? So, Brad, do you got one? I do, and this is not a shameless plug of one of our episodes, but mine would be The Nice Guys from 2016. <laughs> <laughs> of course. That's I mean, also a bingo square. I just, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I just think that movie's damn near perfect for a buddy cop movie, so... I like it. Um, and for, do you remember what episode it was? I don't know. We're, I didn't think we'd be going this long, and I can't even remember that far back. But yeah, it's if you go and search backwards, um, we talk about the nice guys. Uh, it was a recommendation from our good friend Alex, who was just on the show, um, talking Ready to Rumble, um, <laughs> Nathan, which is a fantastic movie. Um, Nathan, your your go-to buddy cop film that might be underrated or a lot of you know just not a lot of people talk about. Um. As I was trying to figure out like the specific classification of Buddy Cop, I realized I didn't, haven't seen a lot of them. Um, and I had to kind of dig deep on this one. Um, Stray Dog from 1949. Or, yeah, 49. Stray? Uh, is it Kurosawa. Kurosawa? Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. No. So all of a sudden, our picks don't feel as, you know, highfalutin as yours. What about... What about <laughs> What about that one um, well, that just came to mind? Um, like I said, I dig deep. I was actually like trolling through my ratings on IMDb to see like what met that genre. And IMDb's got this fun tool where you could uh, find what's been tagged as Buddy Cop and then search through items that you've rated. And that was one that I had given a 10. Um, for me, it's something I need to go back and rewatch. Um, but as I was going through those lists, um, you think I did well, but that's because there's a lot of the, the more traditional, like more recent ones that I haven't seen. Um, I could give you guys that list and you could ridicule me if you'd like, but I, <laughs> I found it kind of funny that like 48 Hours, Last Boy Scout, French Connection, Point Break, I've not seen any of those. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Um, we're going to have so, to find seen, you some homework. I, I feel like it balances itself out. Well, it's Kurosawa. Yes. Come on. Well, I know. It's I know. Kurosawa. So, yeah. I know. Um, well, it's, it's, this is my favorite thing about bringing the people together for something like this is hearing everybody's picks for a genre like this. Um, mine is actually a movie that came out before Lethal Weapon. So Lethal Weapon was in 1987, and obviously it was a, it was a huge hit. 
before that there was a film that did okay um it was an mgm release and um that studio was still going through some trouble and they gave director peter himes um, a script and he did really well with uh, the sequel to 2001 2010 and said hey here's something we want you to do for our studio and he ended up directing 1986's running scared with gregory hines and billy crystal so i really really like that film it's it's actually a movie poster it's in my office um, it's a buddy cop film takes place of in course Chica- because of course it is oh, shut up <laughs> it, uh, it, it takes place in Chicago um, it it just it has an amazing chemistry between Heinz and Crystal um, the action sequences are okay I, towards the end it, it gets really good um, it probably is known for its soundtrack I, I think there was a, a song that hit top 10 couldn't even tell you what it is but um, I could probably sing it to you, but I don't know the title of it. Nobody wants to hear me sing. But if, if you haven't seen that one, and don't, do not be confused with Running Scared, the Paul Walker film. So anytime I talk about this one, everybody's thinking Paul Walker didn't star in a buddy action, you know, cop thriller. No, this is this is mid-80s, came out right before Lethal Weapon. Um, and it's an action comedy, and it, it it's really well, really well done. So check that one out. Um, are you guys ready to talk about our turkey this week gobble uh, gobble yeah yes okay yes um is that a begrudging yes from brad <laughs> it is it is not no <laughs> well this is one that um so it's uh even episode so i got to pick brad gets three turkeys i only got two so i had to make sure they were good brad obviously didn't like my first pick of ready to rumble so we'll see how tonight goes but it it's so easy to pick a film from the action genre or horror genre um, when you're talking about turkeys or films that are so bad they're good, this one I think is super unique. Um, so, Brad, traditionally, this is the part of the show that when we're talking about the film, this is where you spend a lot of time kind of giving the background in terms of when the film was released, uh, what was also showing at that time period, what was it going up against in the theaters, and then also a little bit of you know numbers, some math, and critical reception. Um, I know you did some homework on this one, but this one's a little tough, right? So, uh, yeah, it's unique. Does not get a, thera- a theatrical release. Um, it was the budget of this film is unknown. It was probably somewhere between twenty-seven and thirty-five dollars. Um, <laughs> Plus or minus fifty cents. Yeah, yeah. So there might be some rounding there, um, but there is a. Like a Polish distributor does pick this up and release it in Europe on VHS. Um, and then it does find a release on DVD in the United States. Um, and then it finally does um, get a Blu-ray release in, what was it, 2014 or 15? Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so we don't know box office. We don't know budget. Um, we just know that this movie is... One of the cheapest movies you ever see be made. Um, I know we'll kind of get into it, but there's a reason why the movie is shot all in the daylight. And some of the props were brought from people's houses and the clothing was clothes that people owned. So, um, yeah, this is a very um, gorilla style film. And um, yeah, yeah. Since somehow it got a sequel that was raised, they raised money on. Indiegogo and 
Go fund no, not GoFundMe. What's the other one? Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Kickstarter, and uh, got one point five million dollars to make that sequel. Wow. Yeah. Which is about one point four nine. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know. Ma- don't do the math, Troy. But minus way too much money. dollars, and that's how much <laughs> they raised for the sequel. Yeah. Yeah, but what I was telling you, there's also a making of that film called Enter the Samurai, uh, which I might check out because I'm more interested in how that movie was made and and not the actual movie because I think we'll get into it, but that second one just looks atrocious. So anyway. So what about critics? I mean, did, did this get any type of formal no, review? Um, you know, there, critics have gone back and, and rated it. Um, but not enough to give it an official score on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, audience score was 47%. So you're basically looking at 50-50. So it's like either this is so bad it's good or this is so bad it's bad. It just kind of depends on what side you fall on. So um, Amazon has um, quite a few reviews as well. I think it's like 301 and like 80% are five stars. Uh, most of the people get it. Uh, when you're going that far on on Amazon to uh, write a review and and seek it out, uh, they know they're, they're in on it. Yeah, it, if you read about this film, um, once it's done and complete, I, I mean, they shoot some of it, and we'll talk about this in terms of the trivia behind the film. But they they take it to the film distribution market, and they're trying to show it to everybody, and nobody wants this thing. I mean, the only country in the world. Who wants this film is Poland. Poland, yeah, yeah, and I, I don't, don't know why. I don't think that government um, should. <laughs> I mean, of all of the jokes that are out there about a particular nation, you wouldn't want your nation to go and buy this film. I mean, we would agree, <laughs> right? It's not helping those types of jokes, right? And the story goes that the print was like lost for a long time, and there was a rumor that a print was found in a castle, but it turns yeah. out it was just in like the back lot of some office or studio uh and the reason why this sort of has some life is simply because of a couple of clips that found its way on youtube that was circulating and all of a sudden everybody's like what in the heck is this film the more the the horny nurse is the one you're kind yeah. of yes thinking of um the director and writer of this film is amir Shervin. So a little bit of information about him. He is an Iranian film director, producer, actor, and screenwriter. So what happens is, as a result of the Iranian Revolution, he relocates to California in 1980. So prior to 1980, he was actually a very prolific filmmaker in Iran. Yeah, this is not his... So I was like, oh, this has to be his first movie. No, this is his last movie. His last movie. Yeah, this is the last movie he made. Um, This is his swan song. (laughs) Like, he walks off. With yes. Samurai Cop. Yep. And from 1980 and to about 1990, um, he's working to build his production company, um, Hollywood Royal Productions. And his total aim was to make American action films. And some of these, like 1987's Hollywood Cop, follows that up with 1988's Young Rebels, Gypsy in 1989, Killing American Style with 1990, which he also did with one of the stars of this film, Robert Zadar. Um, Samurai Cop in 1991, like you said, Brad, 1991, he hangs up filmmaking. He totally yeah. retires out of that. Wouldn't you? Like, once you make, you know... If this is your magnum opus, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, what? how are you going to top this film? 
Um, but he wrote and directed this. And, and if you go and read a little bit about him, I mean, he has a very interesting filmography. Uh, and even if you want to dip your toes into something like this in his filmography, you can easily find Killing American Style, I think, is on Amazon Prime. So if you have that subscription, you can check out and, and see another one of his American action films. But keep in mind when we talk about this, this is a case of somebody who English isn't their first language and they wrote a screenplay um, for an American buddy cop action film. And he is try, you know, trying to take his film techniques and everything they learned um, over as an Iranian filmmaker and bring it over to here on just a $35 budget. The cast is super interesting. Do you guys know Robert Zadar? Did when? I mean, have you seen any of his other films? No, I just I, ca I kept I calling him I the had. face. <laughs> what about you, Nathan? Uh, I had not. Uh, looks like he's done a lot of stuff that I may need to watch now. I, okay, I cannot believe you guys have not. Oh wait, seen wait, wait! Maniac Cop. Maniac, Maniac Cop. Cop one, yes, two, okay. or three. Come on. Sorry. Yes. Yes. No, Nathan. <clears throat> nothing. Nope. I, I haven't seen those. More homework, buddy. More homework. I know, so, I know. <laughs> this And Robert Zadar, for, for those who don't know, um, Brad referred to him as the face. This is a guy who walks around with pretty much a square face. I mean, his jaw is literally square. And let's be respectful. The, the beta is no longer with us. So we're not we're saying this out of 100% affection. Yes, and, I, and I'm not saying he's ugly. I'm just saying no. he. when you see Robert Zadar, you know it's Robert Zadar. <laughs> yeah, he's... The face. Um, so we talked about Maniac Cop 1, 2, and 3. He was in that. Uh, Killing American Style, which is another film he did with this director, Amir. Um, you, you had to have seen Tango and Cash. He's in Tango and Cash. He's one of the, one of the prisoners in Tango and Cash. Okay. I mean, I've seen Tango and Cash. It's Nathan, Tango and Cash. So that's another buddy cop movie that I've not seen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love the fact that you don't believe in aliens, and you come out swinging with Akira Kurosawa, but you haven't seen Tango and Cash. So... Just saying, uh, <laughs> next time you come on, we're we're gonna expect some of this homework to be completed. I mean, okay, I, I'll do Tango and Cash for this show. I yeah, but I think it was like I don't know. I have to look at that mm -hmm. one. I love Tango and Cash, but I don't. I think it reviewed quite poorly. Oh, it couldn't have been. I guarantee that thing's like ninety percent on the Rotten Tomatoes. As per Russell, you are. <laughs> that is wishful thinking, my friends. Um, the other one that I remember Robert Zadar from was Beastmaster. Now, Beastmaster was that film that played like every fifteen minutes on HBO. Um, cable, uh, Beastmaster fans. Yes, no. Uh, Tango Cash thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh man, that okay. That's so just we mean. can do. It. Okay. That's mean internet. Uh, Beastmaster, yes, Beastmaster. I've seen that. Nathan, come I on, man. I believe I've seen that, but I don't recall <laughs> it that well. So okay, we're gonna give you a pass on that. Um, so Robert Zadar plays uh, Yamashita, uh, a yakuza gangster, um, and if you see Robert Zadar. Uh, he does. Is he, is he supposed to be Japanese? I don't. I don't know. I, uh, okay. I feel like he's supposed to be okay. with a name like yeah. Yamashita, but he's clearly not. Um, man, how do you say this? Uh, he's Lithuanian. <laughs> yeah, from Chicago. <laughs> yeah, so it's a Lithuanian Chicago person playing uh, a Japanese gangster. So moving. I mean, on. they could have gone the Joe Gray like route and. Some you know. makeup on? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I, yeah. But again, that would have blown their entire budget. Um, Matt Hannon, uh, known today as Matthew Curtis, uh, changed his name, obviously, after doing uh, Samurai Cop. Not dead. 
not dead. There's a big rumor for the longest time that uh, because there was another actor of the same name, Matt Hannon, who passed away. So everybody thought that the samurai cop himself had passed. Uh, he did not. He's our hero, Joe Marshall. We also get Mark Frazier playing Frank Washington. Janice Farley as Jennifer. Have no idea who Janice Farley is. Um, Melissa Moore is Peggy Lee Thomas. Now, if you look at some of her credits, I think she's done a couple of horror films. Um, in the 80s, Sorority Massacre 3, 4, 2, I don't know, something. It, it was a sequel. Um, Dale Cummings as Captain Romer. We get F- Cranston Kimuro as uh, Fu- Fuji, Fuji, uh, Fuji somebody. Uh, again, another great Fujiyama. Fujiyama, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah Fujiyama. Fujiyama. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then another one who I 100% easily recognized, and specifically from one film. Um, actually, two movies. There were two movies. As soon as I saw this guy the first time, I'm like, oh, that's the guy from these two films. But are you familiar with Gerald Okamura? Yeah. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. That's the first one. He was also in the Octagon. What? And Mortal Kombat, right? He's yeah, in Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat. Yeah. Showdown in Little Tokyo. He's in two Brandon Lee films. Showdown in Little Tokyo, Rapid Fire. Mortal Kombat, he was in Blade, G.I. Joe. But outside of Big Trouble in Little China, the other movie I instantaneously knew him from was Hot Shots Part Deux. <laughs> You're going to have to... He's in the beginning of Hot Shots when, when they're um, replicating the Rambo 3 stick fighting. Okay, okay. <laughs> he's in there. Um, and I Can we go the... ahead and give the, uh, give the fact on Mr. Gerald? Yes, go ahead. He provided all the weapons for this movie. He brought yes. them from his house. <laughs> he's, he's a certified martial artist, too. Yeah. So all of the weapons used in this film actually come from him. Um, but he, he does, uh, out of everybody who starred in this film, he actually has uh, the most American um, film credits you know, to date in terms of all. And he's been in some big stuff in comparison to everybody else. I mean, don't get me wrong. Tango and Cash. Um, versus Hot Shots Part Two, that's a tough call, but I'm always gonna lean to Hot Shots because it has the funniest scene in all of film history ever. ever. Hey Troy, can we play? Can we play our game? Yeah. So I figure this um, has now become a regular segment. It's okay. What What does the cast and crew of the film we're talking about this week have to do with Pulp Fiction? Yeah. So Cameron, oh. Cameron, who plays the French uh, henchman. Um, was a stand-in on some shots and also performed some stunts in Pulp Fiction. So direct line to Pulp Fiction is Cameron. So anyone who had that right at home, congratulations. <laughs> Nathan, Nathan, you had that too, didn't you? I did. Okay, did? good job. Yeah. Oh, you know, Nathan, I got to ask. Uh, Pulp Fiction, you've seen it, right? Wait, what is it? <laughs> I, I figured we might have should have asked that question maybe before you came on the show. Cause no, 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 that's completely fair. I, I, I've seen it multiple times, and I think the most recent was in the last year. So I, I think I, I passed that test this time. Okay, good, good. All right. A um, couple other things. So the other thing about um, Gerald is not only did he bring all of his own weapons, but uh, he was also the fight choreographer. Well, in full disclosure... <laughs> The fight choreography was done mostly by the entire cast 15 minutes before they started, you know, filming a sequence. And then Gerald provided some hints and everything to it. And we're going to talk about the epic fighting and martial arts that goes on in a movie called Samurai Cop. Um, Beyond that, a little bit more trivia. So 80% of the voices in the film are actually the director, Amir. So... 
were, ADRing. Yes, a- ADRing. Yeah. Um, so he would he would use um, I don't know voice changing technology uh, to make him sound different. Um, yeah, because he couldn't get like some of the extras to come back to re-record yes. dialogue, so he just went ahead and did it himself. Yes, and we'll we'll talk about here in a minute what happened when Matt Hannon came back to find out what the status <laughs> of the film was. Um, almost every shot in the film is a single take. Apparently, Amir did not believe in multiple takes. And even if your cast member in front of the camera is really just trying to blow the scene because he's mad at you, um, those scenes ended up in the film. You mentioned this, Brad. Actors wore their own clothes and drove their own cars. Um, in 2018, here's something I did not know. Also, yes. all the f- shots are in the daylight because they could not afford lights. Or lighting. Yeah. Yes, lighting. couldn't afford any lighting because that would have busted the budget. Um, and I didn't know this because uh, I'm not a Dave Matthews fan. Um, but in 2018, they recorded a song called Samurai Cop. So I'm thinking, oh, Dave Matthews must be a huge fan of this film. And no. I guess the story goes that the song is actually unrelated to the film. Dave Matthews said the film was playing in the background while they're recording and the title just stuck. Um, that's called no. lazy. Yeah. That's called yeah, lazy. That's Dave Matthews music. <laughs> that's another. That's another. <laughs> yes, yes. Hate Dave Matthews. Hate Dave Matthews. Yeah, I, here, I, I here. don't hate him. I just don't under... Look, I'm sure we'll get a lot of angry listeners, but please, somebody, <laughs> just type me an email, and I would like a dissertation on what the appeal of Dave Matthews is. I just don't get it. Um, Here's the appeal. You go to a concert that's outside, you smoke weed, and you pass out, and Dave Matthews is playing guitar with 47 other people. Yeah, but couldn't you pick a better band <laughs> to do that to? Well, yes, yes, I think so. Okay, anyways. Um, before we get into thoughts of the film, Brad, you talked about this a little bit. There is a sequel, Samurai Cop 2, Deadly Vengeance. It was made in 2015. And um, there's also a PG-13 cut of that movie. Yeah, um, Revenge of the Samurai Cop. Yes. So um, Amazon Prime is showing that version right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, sorry. I just I saw that, and I was like, oh, there's a third one? And I'm like, oh, no, it's literally just a recut. They took all the nudity out and some of the other stuff to kind of – Make it more. Maybe they thought thought maybe that cut would get to play on TBS on Saturday evenings. I don't know. But uh, now, out of out of all of us, I'm usually the guy that the minute that he finds out there's more stuff about a film, I will go down the rabbit hole. Uh, classic case in point. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Blue Thunder, um, the Roy Schreider helicopter film with Daniel Stern from like the '80s. Oh, my God, Joy. Yeah, well, I did know that there was a TV show, and in the TV show, Dana Carvey was in it. Um, thank you, John. And I went down that rabbit hole. So, and There's 47 episodes, and you watched all of them. No, nah, I don't think it made it past like yeah, a one-hour no. pilot. So yeah, of course. <laughs> Luckily, it was, it was that. Uh, but this one, um, did you guys watch the sequel? No, Not a chance. Not didn't? a chance. Okay, I didn't either. There was, we'll talk about why. I was already feeling like I had put in more time with watching the movie, researching movie, and then thinking of like stuff to talk about and taking notes in preparation for this episode that I feel like they put into making this movie. So I'm like, no, I can't go down the sequel and then the making of the sequel stuff. So I was like, I got to cut off at some point in time. Yeah. I think outside of the film and I, I put it on our Facebook page, a couple of links to Matt Hannon um, interview that was done. You know, one, one is 30 minutes, the other is 15. It's a two-parter. 
found it very interesting. I would encourage everybody to go search those out. It's uh, titled Conversation with Samurai Cop. This was my pick as so bad it's good. Obviously, we've run through it. There's no budget to this thing. I would even go so far to say is I have not seen the filmography of our director, Amir, and I think it goes back to like late 40s, early 50s, all the way to 91. Um, I would also say that I will not <laughs> go down <laughs> that rabbit hole of checking out his other films. And this is for all three of us, not our first time watch, correct? No, this is the first time I've seen it by myself, though. Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. So, Nathan, did you watch it by yourself? So, this is the first time I watched it with somebody. Oh, so the first time you and saw it, it was by yourself? Yes, first time I watched it was by myself. And so, this is my second watch. And um, I uh, talked my wife into watching this, which I'm not proud of. And I should have <laughs> known better. <laughs> let's, let's start there. Let's just get into um, Samurai Cop. Um, Nathan, uh, I got I to gotta know your, your thoughts on this one. I... I also convinced my wife to watch this. She fell asleep halfway between it. But I wish I could have like got You guys on are bad a, husbands. I know. I wish I could have got on camera the I, I've never seen an eye roll during some of the scenes. It was epic. I, my wife gives now I'm convinced there there is an art to an eye roll and she's got it down pat. But I'm sorry, Nathan, I digress. Um, no, 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 you're you're good. Um, it, it, it started with, uh, so we were watching the DVD, and so the, the, the screen that pops up, and my wife sees it, and she's like, oh, no. <laughs> and then we continue to watch it, and it just kept getting worse, and she's like, really? 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 <laughs> and then we get to the very, very many sex scenes, and she's like, that doesn't look like anything. What are they doing? <laughs> the hard cutting to just people having sex is kind of jarring. And, and then, and then there's a car down driving down the street. Like the, just the hard cuts were very jarring for sure, and very somehow made it even more awkward. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what did you prefer? You you watched it. That's that's crazy to me. That the first time you watched it was on your own. So you seek it out and then you, you watch it uh, with somebody else. I mean, was it a different experience? Did you enjoy one over the other? It, it was fun to watch it with my wife, but it was a lot more fun for me than it was for her. So um, <laughs> I feel bad about making her watch it. And I even like warned her and I said, this is going to be the worst movie you have ever seen. And I said, and I also want to know what your favorite scene from the movie is once we're done. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it, her her uh, most cringy scenes were, uh, if you want me to go ahead and into those. Yeah, absolutely, man. Okay. So so it's it's towards the beginning. They're, they're, they're having a conversation with people in a helicopter when the person in the helicopter is on a radio, but they don't have a radio. Yeah. But they yeah. each know what each other is saying. Um, and then the other is a sexy nurse scene. Which not, is just not only so are they having like, a conversation, but they're... She is soliciting sex from him. Well, yes. Not just him, but everyone throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, she's... She's a problematic character. Yeah, Yeah. she is. Okay. Um, Brad, now, you watched it alone this time. I watched it by myself. So I think this might be the third or fourth time I've seen this movie. So I might never have to see this movie again and be okay. Um, It's kind of... One of those things where it's like, I've seen, you can't see Samurai Cop more than like five times or you're just <laughs> wasting your life. Um, 
yeah, this is the first time I've seen it by myself. Every kind of Monday, my wife will be like, oh, what are you guys doing for this week? I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not watching this You didn't this even one. give her a chance? No, I, I was like, I am not going to put you through Samurai Cop. Boy, what do you say about Samurai Cop? Um, well, real quick, the other times, the three or four times that you've seen it, was it with a group of people? or was Yeah, it just with too? like, you know, you're with probably five or six people and everyone is just kind of like, oh gosh, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And, you know, you're it's it plays so much like a comedy that, you know, kind of being with people who have seen it and then you get the two or three people who haven't and then you're just like, oh no, wait, you have to watch this part. Listen to what he says. That mouth definitely does not say that, but it's, you know, somehow he's speaking, but his mouth is not moving at all. So, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that it's it's fun to kind of introduce people to and just kind of watch their reaction. But I hadn't seen the Blu-ray since I got it, and I was like, okay, I kind of want to see what it looks like, you know, with 180 pixels. And, you know, it doesn't look any better than what you'd expect. So, Okay. I honestly... So I don't know if you guys discovered this on your own or if this was introduced to you by somebody. This one was introduced by people that I had known through a podcast, um, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. It's, you know, a couple of guys that at the time I did know, uh, still know, and we would get together for movies, et cetera, sat down and put this in. And I feel like as I was watching the film, they were watching me because they had seen it multiple times. And even now, when I watch it with a group of people, I'm more interested in the person in the room who hasn't seen it to just gauge their reaction. But there's still some scenes out of it that just crack me up, to be quite honest, and it's ineptitude. I don't know if I could ever watch this by myself. I I'm pretty sure I don't think I could. It's a lonely experience. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would get as much enjoyment out of it. I will say one of the best reviews, if, I were, if you could sum up this film in my head and pick somebody who's much more articulate than I on paper, Jim Vorrell from Pace Magazine. So it's like an entertainment magazine. I think it's online now. Um, he said this about the film, and I think it totally sums up my opinion of it. The whole thing looks like a movie aliens would make if they were lacking some sort of crucial understanding of how human beings communicated with one another. That is exactly the best description I can give for this film. And it, and it makes total sense. Um, Here's a Iranian filmmaker who is trying to, after 10 years of being in the U.S., put, after ingesting all of American culture, right, um, and especially if he's watching a ton of action films and goes, oh, I want to do an action film, this is exactly the type of movie I think that you would make in terms of it's a copy of a copy. You know, if, if you were ever back in the day trying to make VHS copies and when you get to the fifth or sixth generation, and you could barely see what was going on because you're, I mean, this is exactly what Samurai Cop is. It's a copy of a copy of a copy of an American buddy cop action film. Yeah, we all saw Multiplicity. We know how it works. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a Not great so example. <laughs> and you know you're in trouble when the first scene of the film and you see the Samurai Cop and you're like, what? is on his head <laughs> and it's a wig you're like surely he's not wearing a wig oh he's wearing a wig and, and then in the next scene he's got a beautiful quaff of hair you're oh, like that, wow yes. that dude had some gorgeous hair um, yeah not the wig but his natural and, and then the next scene he's wearing a hat yes. with a wig with a wig yep. um, so Troy why why is that why oh, is why yes. is there a wig in this yes. movie so 
Matt Hannon is showing up in his own car and clothes and they're filming Samurai Cop. And the reason why he wanted to do this was he was looking to break into film. And one of the things that he needed was um, demo reels and everything else. So he gets the job day one. The minute he meets with the director, reads a script, they go, you're hired. The next week they're filming. So they film Samurai Cop and they're doing all of these shots. And then they wrap production. And, you know, three, six, nine months however long goes by as soon as he's done with the film he goes you know what uh my agent says i should cut my hair because he has this flowing hair that just you know past his shoulders a little bit his agent says hey if you want to do some more work cut the hair um so he does that and then you know six months or so go by he checks in with the director to find out what's going on with the film the director is like oh my god what did you do to your hair we still have these shots to do and so they run out to the nearest wig place and buy him a wig and then finish some of the shots to the film that Amir needed in his office. I believe the story also goes that Amir had told him, oh, it's nothing important. It's just going to be some wide shots and some distant shots. <laughs> and I was trying to go back and think, A, are there any wide shots in this movie? And B, are there any like long shots in this movie? I couldn't think of any. I, I don't know. I, I just know that my favorite part of the film takes place in a restaurant. And when you get a close-up of Matt Hannon delivering this amazing dialogue, and then it's intercut <laughs> with shots of them at a restaurant, Matt Hannon is standing across the desk of Amir in his office giving this speech. And he's using that footage in conjunction with the stuff that they shot like three to six months earlier. And it's so gloriously bad. I, He's folks, so he is so mad in that scene. Yes, you can you tell, can he tell is. he's mad. Um, I love it, and and it's the best dialogue monologue you could ever think of, in terms of he's so mad, but it works for that scene because he's so mad at the yakuza for their death dealing, <laughs> you know, drugs, drugs and, to kids, drugs yeah. to kids, and he's so. But in reality, he's mad at Amir for you know I gotta wear this wig and give the scene. What do you guys think about the high speed? like chases and everything and running over people in a car and the explosions. I mean, that's pretty epic, right? Yeah. So yeah, that the first scene, well, it's kind of like the first action scene. Cause there's that part where the, the two groups are talking and then it goes to the chase scene with the helicopter and literally a guy falls out of a van, but like the van's going maybe like four miles an hour, but then they like speed it up to make it look like, you know, this van is going really fast through these neighborhoods and stuff. Yeah, epic. And they is, run over him. It, yeah, but they don't really yeah. run over him. <laughs> but yeah, but then it, they squirt some ketchup on him afterwards. Yes. And, wow, it it's good. I mean, if 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 you don't have a professional stunt crew and you're asked to fall out of a moving vehicle, you're going to do it at four miles per hour, right? Yeah. Like post production, you're just going to speed it up. That makes total yeah, sense to me. How, how did no one die in this? They catch a man on fire in this movie. And I guess part of the scene is, oh, Samurai Cop and Washington are the ones to put him out. And like, that's who that guy was depending on to put the fire out. Like for real, like we're going to get a fire extinguisher and a blanket and put the fire out as a part of the scene. Like he wasn't like no stunt coordinator. It was like two actors that probably had no idea what they were doing. So, 
Yeah, so if that Nathan, fire extinguisher doesn't work or something happens, that guy dies. So Nathan and Bradley. I, love, I also love, I also love the dude is obviously Spanish driving the van. Yes. They put that fire out. That is the whitest guy I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> well, hold on. So let me ask Nathan this. So, so not only did he catch on fire, but he changed ethnicities. Yes. Because that fire was so hot. Um, <laughs> it turned him white. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, it's a white hot fire, which, um, <laughs> which is so, different than uh, the Frasier's burnt black ass that they refer to later yeah. in the film. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But listen, I, I got to. So this may I, I'm I'm watching this film and you know in my head I'm th- I'm thinking this makes total sense to me. It's exactly how you would film it if I were doing it. So Nathan, the question I have is like if Brad and I were doing Samurai Cop three, and and you were going to be a henchman, and we're like, listen, Nathan. We're going to spread all this goo all over you, this fire, whatever goo. <laughs> and we're going to light you on fire. And you're going to run screaming in front of our 8-millimeter camera or 16-millimeter, whatever they shot it on. And I got a blanket and a uh, one-foot fire extinguisher that you probably find in an RV home or something. You know, those real tiny ones. Yeah. By the way, we haven't had time to test this extinguisher, so we're just no. hoping it works. Yeah. And there's no... You don't want to test the extinguisher because it would be empty at that point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, one test and you don't have a fire extinguisher. We got a blanket. We got a mini fire extinguisher. There's no ambulance, no fire crew. You would 100% do that stunt, right? I love you guys, of course. Okay, good. And we're gonna pay you nothing. No money. And- wait, 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 wait. Do I get do I get more IMDb creds? Yes, you get a film sure. reel on VHS. Um, with, By the way, I don't know if you guys saw some of the. Uh, the roles of cast but there's the arm losing henchman yes and i bring this up because the burning van driver was the name of that character oh okay that makes total sense yeah who i don't remember though is the penis grabbing henchman what yeah it it, there i I can't remember is that the director's cut I, I don't know. It was on IMDb as like part of the cast and crew. Anyways, no. I digress. Sorry about that. No, no, that's fine. I'm just. But yes, I definitely to... do that movie with you guys. Okay, good. Um, I I feel that's the type of spirit that is going to make this type of film. Um, when you when you get into that type of scenario that goes, listen, I mean, how influential or charismatic would Amir have to be to kind of say, I don't have a big budget like this. I'm gonna smear you with this fire gel or whatever. The two actors who just showed up who don't know what scene we're shooting, and I hand him a blanket and fire extinguisher, and go, hey, this guy's going to run out in front. you got to put him out. I I know nothing outside of what I read about this director, but something tells me there's something about this guy to make people do that. He's, he's got to be charismatic. You you have to agree. God, it has to be something. It wasn't the money. so No, absolutely not. It wasn't the money. No, not at all. Well, you're also, you're also forgetting during the chase, he's going, shoot. 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 Well, there's two performances of Matt. There's the I'm I'm in my first film or second film. He did a film before. Uh have no idea what it was. Um and he's doing this one and he has an earnestness to his performance, but then when the wig's on, he's just pissed, right? So yeah, if if you're in a car and you would just be like, shoot, shoot the guy, hurry up, hurry up, shoot, because you're angry. You don't want to be there, right? So then wait. So, man on fire. Yeah. They put him out. Cut to two people having sex. <laughs> like, literally, <Yes. laughs> man on fire, cut to the most awkward sex you'll ever see. Like, 
I don't know if these two people. I don't think it was. Know how to have like exactly. They she she literally said, "Okay, I will get naked, but he cannot touch me," because like it's like awkwardly like he doesn't touch and they don't really kiss correctly. It's like really awkward. It's like again, it's like aliens came down and said, "We think this is how." sex works but we've never done it before so we're just gonna kind of rub our bodies together it's awkward like there was no like passion at all it was so cringy (laughs) that's an understatement yeah (laughs) this is not the i I worry about like 13 14 14 year old boys discovering this film in the 90s (laughs) in poland on vhs and like mom and dad haven't you know, told me how sex works. And then I watch Samurai Cop and I'm like, oh, so I lay there and then she keeps her underwear on and just makes these <laughs> weird faces. And that is sex. And I guarantee a lot of 14, 15 year old boys in Poland in the 90s thought that's how sex worked. I mean, I really worry about I never, that particular I never knew generation. Passion could have a negative number, but this this scene definitely is. <laughs> And this is, and that's not even the most awkward sex scene of no, the whole it's movie. Not. It's, it's not. No, it's, it's not. not. <laughs> this one ups the ante every scene that <laughs> you think time. that sex is going to come. And I, I got to, so I'm going to, we'll just stop right here. And I'm wondering, do you guys have a pick for the sex scene that just made you turn away? The one with Robert Zadar is Oh the my most, God, that's the one. <laughs> Him kissing that woman, I'm like, oh my god, I feel so bad for her. Uh, I, I just, you, you would think. You I had know. to speed it up. I had to speed it up. I'm not gonna lie. I've seen it more than once, and I'm like, you know what? I, I've seen it. I can, I can fast forward. Again, I would statistically bet that the birth rate of of Poland in a certain time period for the guys that could, you know have sex drastically went down when this went out because if they saw sex in this film and then Robert Zadar, they'd have been like, Nope, don't want to participate in that whatsoever. Yeah. No sex for me ever. <sighs> um, and I'm, I would be the one to say that if I had not had sex and went like, Oh yeah, it's really cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if I had seen the Robert Zadar thing first, I would have been like, I don't want to try sex after that. Um, that's how bad that scene is. But I know sex is cool. So, you know, but I can't. Start. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Go. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. The, the, the fact that he had to, disc- like, he had to state that. Yeah. Hey, by the way, sex is cool. Thanks, Troy. <laughs> I just, I'm just the more sure you know. Look, yeah. Look, if. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just I'm looking out for people. <laughs> oh. So I, I also I also had in my notes we skipped over it, but boy, <laughs> Troy, you all right? Yes. <laughs> Go on. Okay. Are you gonna laugh as long as the sex scenes? Yeah. Because no, no. <laughs> again, not only are they awkward, but they kind of go on. They like go forever, forever. It's like this. And, one, and this I think that's why it's so. Seven minutes long. I'm like, how is it? They're not doing anything. And, and you're like, this minute. isn't going to end. This isn't going to end. And all of a sudden it just hard cuts. And you're like, oh, okay. It finally did end. Well, oh. we also didn't mention that they're 
Samurai Cop likes to wear the banana hammock in this movie. Oh my god! It is, uh, <laughs> do you um, think that was so? Was that his choice? Like I hey, don't know. I'm telling you the right dude, now, the dude is built. Like let's yeah, he not. Is, but I will never watch Samurai Cop two for the simple fact that I don't want a chance seeing him in a bathing suit again. I'm sorry, I don't want to see the banana hammock. No, I'm good. Yeah, no. Adding 25 years to that when a, in a banana hammock probably doesn't help too much. No, um, not at all. It, it does enable one of the more creative shots of the film, though. I don't know if you remember, like, right before a sex scene where he picks her up and they're walking to the bed and they walk up to the camera and it's zooming in on her and then all of a sudden it's zooming out on him because he's. it's almost like he's walked through the camera. I don't know if um, you guys recall that one. I totally <laughs> missed that cinematography because my gag reflexes had <laughs> kicked in from the banana hammock. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, the look, Can we talk a minute about the comedy in this film oh wow like the like we're gonna try to do comedy like with washington well there's that um it it is weird i mean if you know the background of this film and again who's making it who wrote it uh and and if you read the interviews with matt hannon and everything else they they stuck to the script so they they didn't improvise well i take that back from what I understand in, in a little bit of the uh, behind the scenes and the research of it, there were a lot of shots that they had to do and bring Matt back as well as Mark Fraser. So when you see these scenes of Mark Fraser just standing there and yeah, uh-huh, and just, you know, <laughs> making these weird faces, those are things that they shot way after the initial filming was done. And they would intercut it in just the most awkward places. But he's supposed to be some comedic relief um i think the one scene they did improvise is when he's climbing over a fence and mark is climbing <laughs> under a fence and he goes well why'd you do that well i'm an undercover cop i, I believe that was the improvised portion of it but this if, if you're well saying, to be to be fair to washington like he doesn't reach his hand over to like help him climb the fence like yeah what is so he, he going to have a choice. So he's like, okay, I'll just climb under this thing then. Yeah. Well, it, and if you're an Iranian filmmaker, you've been watching tons of action films for like 10 years. You've made a couple, right? And you go, well, I'm going to make my magnum opus. And if you're doing an action buddy cop film and there's going to be some humor, of course, you're going you're gonna to throw in an over-the-top gay waiter, right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, he Talk kills himself. The most... that, that he's happy about everything. And I mean everything. Yeah. That you should be happy about. No. Um, oh, he committed suicide. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that was. And then, of course, you get the infamous uh, <laughs> horny, naughty nurse scene, which is what really kicked this film off on the Internet, this this whole sequence. Um, it's one of the most popular clips on YouTube of this film. So, okay, is this a hospital? Supposed to be? Because there's a there's it's supposed a dental, to be a hospital. There's kind a dental of. office. There's a dental office next to where they behead the guy in a sir DDS. You're like, oh, so the so dentist office is you can't per- burn victims next to a dentist office. I mean, I don't know. The guy didn't have know. any lips. <laughs> His they lips are burned. Out. Yeah, you can't talk. <laughs> He's um, burned. Yeah, yeah. That scene is. It's absolutely hilarious, but it's not hilarious from the fact that it's comedy gold. It's hilarious because how could one person put that dialogue 
on a piece of paper and hand it to another person and say, I want you to read this. And then I'm going to put a camera over here and film you reading this. It, it is hilarious. It's just, at, oh my God, it's funny. And be sure to get it right the first time because we're not doing a second take. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like they were all reading <laughs> cue cards. And then you're going to put, you know, a couple of scenes in there of um, Mark Fraser just, ooh, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I love, the, I love, I love the reaction shots of him. I, yes. I would, I want the Washington movie, whatever. I want that movie of just okay. him. I, I, that I, I would I, watch, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and then the other, I guess, attempt at comedy, it tries to steal a little bit from Raiders of the Lost Ark is you have people showing up with swords and then they go, oh, I'm not going to just shoot the guy, right? So yeah. clearly um, Amir is a big fan of Harrison Ford and Raiders. Um, I think clearly he's a big fan of Lethal Weapon 2. But Lethal Weapon 2 hasn't come out yet. So you got you got to think about Oh yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yes, it has. Yeah, you're right. Eighty nine, right? Yeah, you're right. So he this has is... watched Lethal Weapon. He's watched all of these, um, and yeah, that's this what's is the, going this right is like the softcore parody film of Lethal Weapon two. But it, but it's not a parody. I mean that that's the crazy I, thing about I it know. is what makes this so bad. It's good is here is a person who is intentionally trying to make a dramatic action film. And, and fill it to the gills with just excitement and thrills and martial arts. And he 100% believes this. Didn't know, you know, exactly what he was doing per se, but his heart's there. I mean, it's, and, but it is the eighth generation of every lethal weapon that came out before it, right? So, yeah. um, the other thing that just stuck out in my head is that lion's head um, that's above the mantle. What the hell was that? A crocheted <laughs> like lion's head? The like the stuffed animal one, like I don't know yeah. what it was, but why why would you like center a shot around that? I mean, it's one thing to have an odd piece in like in, in your the film background or in the background, but to frame a shot where it's taking up if not half to almost it's three a third, like of it. it's a third of the like frame is like this lion it's head, crazy. And the only thing I can think of is that, um, and I can't remember her name, the the one who takes her shirt off and has a birthday or whatever. Jennifer. But Jennifer. When her mom shows up later, <laughs> the mom's hair matches the lion's head. So I don't know if the lion's head is there as a tribute to her mother, but I just, and in the back of my head, I'm like, where can I find one? Because I would buy one in an instant and just put it in my house and wait for people to comment on it. It's so awkward. Have you checked you know, Etsy yet? Etsy. Oh, you think somebody yeah. on Etsy actually made a samurai cop line? Tag? There might. There's a lot of weird stuff on Etsy. Yeah. Yep. Hey. Oh. Do you also know what is a good sign of a good script? When um, people come into scenes and say hi and say bye. A lot of people come into the scenes and like, oh hi, <laughs> hi, and then like, okay, bye, bye. It's like you're not coming into the middle of a scene. Like these people are coming in, they're introducing themselves, and then they are saying bye to exit the scene. It's like, that's not really how script works, but okay. For the Polish market, I'm sure they needed that type of, <laughs> this person's coming in and this person's going out, right? Yeah, yeah. I, that's probably a big selling point. The fight choreography. We, we, we've talked about the stunts, um, some of the driving sequences. Let's, let's spend a second and talk about the action choreography, specifically the martial arts. Okamura is choreographing some of it. The way the story goes is that about 15 minutes before they would start filming, they just kind of made up how they should fight each other and then film around that. 
um, how thrilling and exciting was the action? Oof. Nathan, let, let me let me. Did you rewind any scenes, Nathan, and watch it over again? Because it, you were like, oh, my God, how did they do that? Like, you, you know, a, a good Jackie Chan or Donnie Yen film. I, I think I could figure out how they accomplished all of the stunts, uh, aside from the guy on fire and how they switched his skin color. Oh, Brad that, and I that got that down, still, so don't that's worry still about it. Mo- that's still movie magic for me. But okay. uh, I do have a favorite death. Oh, okay. And yes. it involves uh, uh, the diving board. So oh, it's, yes. it's when they're doing the raid at the end. <laughs> and this guy gets shot and somehow he's at the end of a diving board and rolling backwards off of it. And it's it, 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 that, that one, that's my favorite. Did death, you notice I that think, he the falls into the, like the left side and then, then like they cut back to the pool and he's floating and then, on the right side. Yeah. You're like, Oh yeah. 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 Cause yeah, that's I how gave, physics I gave works. that dive a seven. I don't know what you guys graded it. <laughs> he fell very slowly to like not hurt himself on the he way down. He had good too. form. I gave yes. him a seven. Okay. I love that in his fight with uh, Akamura, his wig comes off. Like Akamura is grabbing him and yes. then at some point grabs his wig and then kind of puts his wig back on in mid fight. Uh, that's probably my favorite fight uh, choreography. Um, I don't know. I just, when I see them like, the best way I can describe the action choreography is people just like throwing their arms out another person and hoping that it hits them and then maybe put a sword in the hand. And, you know, it it looked like little kids trying to do karate at a ball pit in Chuck E. Cheese. That is the equivalent of the action (laughs) choreography in this thing. So the big showdown at the end with Robert Zadar and Samurai Cop like, they both pick up swords, and you think, oh, they're going to be right next to each other? No. The, the camera pans out. They're, like, 100 feet away. Now they have to walk up to each well, other. Well, see, that like, was an extended shot. It, 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 well, yes. earlier okay. about, Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It is a wide. A okay, wide that's shot. a wide shot. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, yes. I stand but then they take, But then they take the time to walk and walk and walk, and then all of a sudden they're right next to each other. Yeah. It really makes you appreciate good action. Like, it really does. <laughs> like, it's got to be, you know... John Wick, they go through months and months of choreography and do all this stuff. This one is like, eh, 15 minutes before, we'll figure it out. Well, We're going to swing swords, like, semi-hard at each other, but not really. Did you notice when Zadar picks up the sword, it's already got all the dings and stuff yes. on it? So it's they obviously yeah. shot that part after. So, yeah. It's like, I also don't know how many times you see someone touching the blade and being fine. Yes. It's at least three different times where they're like, one is like he's sliding along his arm, another one that's holding it, the back of the sword. and It's dramatic effect, Anyways. man. I mean, look, Chandra films. Well, okay, you just talked about Akira Kurosawa. If you say something about Seven Samurai or something like that, I'm going to beat you. No, I'm just. <laughs> <clears throat> look, you got to think about the films that were coming out in the 80s and 90s. So the John Wicks today. Yeah. Here's. The John Wicks today are a byproduct of people saying that the Asian action films in the 80s and 90s were so cool. Let's make a two-hour film of that, right? Gung Fu. That's all John Wick is. And it's fantastic. You go back, and Nathan, obviously, I, I assume you're, you're an Akira Kurosawa fan, right? I am. Okay. So your classic samurai films are not as elaborately choreographed as the stuff that you would see in Hong Kong cinema or the John Wick films today. And if you think about the 80s and 90s, I feel like American films at some point were in the middle of that, right? 
So oh, yeah. they're they're not elaborate, but they're not the you know the the great thing about good classic samurai films that stick to the technique is a sword fight doesn't last very long. It it's over pretty quickly um, between two people. Now you throw a bunch of people in it, Yojimbo or something like that, and and you mm-hmm. get some epic scenes, but um, they're not as flourished and elaborate as the Hong Kong stuff, like your wuxia films, etc. Um, I feel like uh, Samurai Cop encompasses absolutely none of that and yet tries to be that 80s, 90s version of it. Does that make sense? I mean, I'm still trying to pick up the, the thread with the Kurosawa stuff, but... No, I'm just I'm just saying, like, if, if you give me a good samurai film and you go, OK, it's not going to be the John Wick stuff. It's going to be a couple of cuts, two guys going at it and then it's over. Yeah, Absolutely. One hundred percent. I'm I'm totally down with that. If it's filmed in such a way that it's tense, it's exciting. And the posturing that occurs, even samurai cop, I know what it's trying to emulate. And I totally get that. Yeah. And so if you are looking for that type of action style, I think it can be done. And it doesn't involve a 15-minute showdown the way that some action films are today, like John Wick, right? I mean, John Wick 3, Keanu Reeves, Mark Dacascus, they're they're slinging swords at each other. And how long does that fight scene go on? Yeah, okay, okay. yeah. yeah. But you look yeah. at some good classic samurai films, there's some posturing going on. You get a couple of cuts and everything else. And I think the 80s and 90s are somewhere in between. Like, there's a progression of this flourish that's, you know, coming in, that's being influenced by other action choreography. And if you look at Samurai Cop, you go, okay, I understand what it was trying to emulate. It's trying to fit this middle piece of it, but it doesn't do any of it well at all. I mean, it's a classic example of you guys, like you guys or me going out there and saying, we're going to make an action film. It'll be our first one. This is exactly what it would turn out to be. And I, I think that's where the charm of it is. Like, it's it's fun to watch. It's hilarious. Even some of the strikes that he does where he's putting his thumb in between, like, his fingers and he's hitting his elbow. Dude, that would break your thumb Yeah, if you yeah. were to hit somebody like that. But it's trying to emulate this posturing that would go on with an American action films, um, which is sort of that in-between of your, you know, your classic samurai films – the battles weren't that long between two guys. That's what it's trying to go for, but it, it doesn't do any of it, and that's what makes it so awesome. I think that's you're the only. Think this might be the only podcast that's ever said Samurai Cop and Kurosawa in the so, same so, sentence. But you know, <laughs> but can, so some of the background on Samurai Cop is he's supposed to be fluent in Japanese, right? And someone says yep. katana. Katana. And they say, what does katana mean? And he says. It's Japanese for sword. And I'm like, no, it's a type of sword, but it's not <laughs> Japanese for sword. Well, That's... he can't even pronounce Fujiyama. And yeah. in his epic speech, it's, aren't you Fuji, Fuji, uh, Fujiyama? <laughs> <laughs> and he's fluent. And, but I love Robert Zadar giving the background of this guy where he's like, yeah, they, they brought him from San Diego. He's a master of martial arts. And, and Robert Zadar is genuinely scared of this guy because he's he's been brought in to take down the yakuza um, this is a hot take but is robert sadar actually kind of good in this movie <laughs> so let's get to the act let's talk about the actors in general um i think he might be okay he believes he's yakuza like uh would you say lithuanian Sh- he's chicago? from chicago lithuanian he's, yeah lithuanian and he and he's playing a japanese character 
Yes. I buy it, man. 100%. I mean. He sold it. <laughs> okay. The face, he sold it, man. 100%. All right. All right. Um, is, is he your favorite character? He's not my favorite I, character of the film. Uh, the big boss is my favorite character. Fujiyama? Yeah. Fujiyama, yeah. I want his head on his piano. <laughs> so everyone knows not to mess with me. Which is where you would put a head. I know, yeah. As people are coming in, they would admire your piano and be like, oh, there's a head on oh, there's a head I'm on not it. messing with this guy. Yeah. Nathan, your favorite your favorite actor or character? I, I got to go with Frazier. I mean, his just his responses, especially like during the sexy nurse scene. And I, I feel like they took some of that same footage and interspersed it with other conversations. Just his his facial expressions. I loved. So I am picking none of those. Those are all second place for me. I'm going with Captain Romer. Um, oh God. <laughs> this guy is a white Samuel L. Jackson. I have he is, never that's... heard anybody put so many sentence enhancers within a sentence with such flourish and intensity as Captain Romer. And my favorite part is towards the end when he's just grilling him about how crappy of cops they are, right? Like, you suck and MF this and MF this. Then he's like, look, just Go after these guys and kill them all. Like, don't bring them into justice. Just, like, go kill them. We're going to get fired. Don't worry about it. Just kill everybody. I love that. And I love that whole scene that um, he's yelling at him. Yeah, and due process. Fraser like, <laughs> kisses him on the forehead, and he's like, get out of my eye. And then he sits back. It, it looks like a scene that he was supposed to say cut, but he didn't. And the guy's like, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to sit back and laugh about it. Um, but, yeah, R- Romer is... Yeah. If, if you ever want to see what Samuel L. Jackson would be like as a white police captain, this guy. It's the, cop, it's the cop from Last Action Hero. Yes. You know, his Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah, yeah, his his little lieutenant, or his chief. Yeah, but Captain Romer was better than the Last yeah. Action Hero chief. Okay, yeah. Because that Last Action Hero chief wasn't like, hey, Jack Slade, go out and kill everybody. Don't bring him in. I don't want paperwork. But Captain Romer is an efficient police captain, and it's like, let's not fill out this paperwork. Just go kill them all. That's awesome. Um, Matt Hannon, um, what did you guys think about his performance? Um, he's a samurai cop. He's this whole movie's built around him. He's oh not boy. very charismatic. <laughs> he's got zero charisma. He looks the part, like he's you know physically like a really tall dude and built. And that hair is when it's real hair, it's it's pretty pretty yeah. impressive. When it's a wig, it's pretty ridiculous. But he just is a wet blanket. Yes. I'd agree. Well, he's an angry wet blanket for a lot of half the time. Half the time, he's angry because he's wearing a wig. All right. So Nathan would would Hannon like make an Akira Sur- if Akira Kurosawa was still casting, would Matt Hannon make it make the cut? No. Yes. Oh, no doubt <laughs> that he would be sent away immediately with a you know it, it just wouldn't happen. I, I I think there's a reason he didn't go on to make any more films. After Samurai Cop. I think he tried stand-up comedy afterwards. Oof. Yeah. This guy With or a, without the wig? Good question. I don't know. I don't know. I, it, finding stuff out about this guy, I mean, obviously, as soon as uh, he was done with Samurai Cop, he really didn't do much else in a filmography, <clears throat> but he, he did try stand-up comedy. But you, I, I, I think what's, again, if you're, if you're looking for a positive element of his performance – the charm comes from him putting a wig on and being really pissed about it and delivering some epic dialogue. 
again, exhibit A, the restaurant scene is, is just my favorite scene of the whole thing when he's just yelling at him. And then right in the middle of it, he's just like, excuse me, miss. What's an all-American girl like you doing with a geek like this? I, I absolutely love that. And he I, love it, it I, love, I love any movie that uses the word geek. Like yes. If you say geek in your movie, I am in. <laughs> and then Melissa Moore. Uh, I... When I see the, when I see the f- boobs, that's all I know. Um, that's all. So can we talk about some of the pro- the pragmatic stuff in this movie? Because I know there's quite a bit, but yeah. I'd like Let's... to get it out. So Washington is like your typical token character. He's the token good guy, mm-hmm. uh, token good black guy. The rest of the black guys are all henchmen and die. And then Peggy, who is a police officer, her only like characteristic is she just wants to have sex with everyone. That's like her characteristic. Like, I just want to have sex. It's like, I I mean, come on. I know it's 91. I know it's 91 and English isn't your first language, but we can have another trait of this character besides being a big whore. It's like, come on, (laughs) come on. I mean, even like in the middle of a stakeout, she's like, Hey, we're not doing anything. We're not doing anything. Want to have sex? (laughs) Here's, Here's the question I have is, you're Iranian. You come to the country. You're you're watching action films from '80s to '90s. And to your point, Brad, you come up with these token characters. This is what you end up doing for Peggy. The question I have is that is his interpretation of American action film. So if he's if he's creating Samurai Cop and he's like buddy action film, and I have to get it to market and I have to hit all of the check marks that make a good American buddy cop action film does that say more about the films that america was putting out in that genre between 80 and 90 maybe but there's also i mean i think he's maybe missing some subtlety as well like you know like there's some nuance there that that peggy just does not have or does washington Uh, give me an example of nuance of that character in the 80s to 90s that he's just not borrowing from I can't. Now you're going to put me on the spot. But I'm just saying, like, I know there are characters that exist that are these characters, but literally they're in a stakeout, Troy, and she's propositioning another person for sex. I know, but I'm just saying, if you look at, I mean, I'm looking at, like, Gerald uh, uh, Okamuro's uh, filmography, and, like, one of the films that he does um, is Showdown in Little Tokyo, as an example. So, what's her name? Tia Carrera is in that as, like, Damsel in Distress, but the thing that she ends up doing is taking her top off and getting in a hot tub with Dolph Lundgren. And the rest of it is, you know, Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren running around just chopping up people with swords and shooting people in little Tokyo. Right. So if you're, if you look at all of the major action films, uh, (laughs) this is kind of cheesy, but you guys have seen American Ninja. Was it uh, Michael Dudikoff? And I can't remember his, um, I don't want to call him a sidekick, but the actor, the, the token actor that was with him, um, during those films. I mean, th- this was the stuff that was coming out in that time period. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's good or bad. Steve James, that's his name. Had to look it up. But if your, if your diet is this type of film, what, what would you write in your script for Samurai Cop? I mean, that's a long pause. Silence <laughs> yeah. is not good. Silence is not good yeah, for a podcast. It's, uh... <clears throat> 
don't know. What do you want from me, Troy? I'm not going to be a script doctor for this movie, but no, no, no. I'm not saying. I'm just. I'm pointing out. Like I, I, I know everybody's throwing shade at no, this, and I'm not just. No, I, I, under, like, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, the justification of Samurai Cop is you, you again, time and place, made in '91. Director comes out and says, you know, I'm coming from another country. Again, I think it's an interesting observation. I'm always fascinated when somebody comes from another culture, another country comes in and tries to replicate an American film genre and what they put on screen. And I think what's fascinating, okay, so Samurai Cop is not a good film. It, it's a total turkey. It's an inept filmmaking. But take a step back and look at this film from the perspective of an Iranian that comes over and is saying, I'm going to participate in this market and I'm going to create something that he thinks is going to sell to the people that are going after this genre he puts something up there that oh I've got a you know for comic relief a gay yeah, he's waiter. checking he's checking all the boxes he's checking all the boxes and I think it's a little sad when you take a step back and go dude that's that's somebody who's basically saying this is the product of your country from the 80s or 90s of this genre and you're like oh man we suck but you know I, I will still watch commando I will still watch American Ninja those have the time and place for it but it is interesting to look at Samurai Cup from a, a different perspective and just say, yeah, it's it's what somebody thought you should be making for this type of genre. And it says more about the type of movies we were putting out at that time period. Which makes the gay character even a hundred times worse. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Well, now I'm really bummed. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> it's, again, it's just it's it, it, it is one of the things that I think about with these films is that there's there's you can make fun of them all day long and they're terrible you know this is a terrible movie don't get me wrong I, I, this but at is, the end of the at the end of the day this guy made a movie he did he made he a sold movie. it to poland and now but i'm just saying that's not an easy thing to do like, no it's not no. I, I'm, I'm not discrediting anything this guy does i just think it's again it's it's a fascinating social experiment to to take a step back and go yeah we can we can make fun of this thing uh, on an entertainment value he made a movie. He I, made a movie I, for probably no money. Like, yeah, and and now it's become a midnight movie or or a cult movie. I mean, it's got a Blu-ray release for goodness sakes. And a sequel. I know I own it on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it got a freaking sequel that raised over a million dollars. So you you got to appreciate what this thing brought to the table. Yeah. So Troy, is this thing made is is Miami Connection a better made movie than Samurai Cop? Yes, one hundred. I would I would one hundred percent agree with that as well. Now, which is yeah, insane, is yeah. Samurai Cop a? <laughs> how do I say this? Was is Samurai Cop a better film than Miami Connection? Yes. Yeah. This is much more fun than Miami Connection. And I and that's weird to me. Like Miami Connection is just a step up in terms of competency because obviously that director got the how to make films for dummies. He read the book. Yes, he read the book and he and he went there. Amir has an entire history of filmmaking and makes a worse film, which again is weird to me. Guy reads a book, makes a better film, um, but Amir has all of this filmmaking history, makes a worse film, but Samurai Cop at the end of the day is kind of a better film than Miami connection because it's, it's more fun. I, I think it has more charm than Miami connection because yeah. do of we ever see, do you ever see cocaine in this movie? I know that's like supposed to be the thing where he's selling drugs. It's supposed to be cocaine, but I don't think they could I, afford it. I only <laughs> remember suitcases. Yeah. That's it. 
Oh yeah, the guys had that suitcase in the van. That's right. Maybe yeah. That's all I remember. Yeah. Yeah, and it's weird because even like the big gunfight that handle or that happens in the restaurant parking lot. All the um, all the fights happen in, par- in parking lots, Troy. It does, but even the gunshots, it looked like somebody was just taking sparklers and throwing them at the cars for the gunshots. Yes. I mean, um, Robert Zadar throws a grenade at a car, and he's standing next to that car. Yeah. Well, what else about this one, man? I mean, it's it's an interesting watch. I, it's one of those I I would not flat out recommend to just everybody. It's one of those. Is this where, in that? Is this the part in the in the podcast where we weird cut to sex all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> Sexy, um i don't i don't think anybody wants to hear let's not sex scene from us right now so um now do we miss anything about i mean i i i always find it challenging to talk about these films uh when i sit down and i'm ready to watch it i'm like what the hell are you gonna say about samurai cop and then when it's over i'm like wow there's a lot of interesting things going in here to bring up discussion wise and it doesn't turn into that skit from SNL when Chris Farley was like, uh, you remember remember that scene when you did this? Oh, yeah, that yeah. was really funny. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff going on here, and you can appreciate it on, on different levels, I think. Sorry, I think I cut you off. You were going to say, like, this is not a movie you could recommend just to anybody. Like, no. You kind of got to know yes. who they are. Yep. And you kind of got to even preface that with, this is going to be the worst movie you've ever seen. Now... I even think this is more fun than like the room or even like Birdemic, like of those type quality. I think Samurai Cop might be my favorite of those because of the genre that it kind of tries to dip its toe in that action genre um, kind of. Um, But I don't know. I think this might be my, my go to bad movie. So Nathan, I I'm, I'm maybe kind troll, of in uh, maybe I troll two. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's a <laughs> tough one. I'm curious, Nathan, because I know you and I have watched a lot of bad movies together. Um, yep. Where does this one rank in terms? Is it a pantheon bad film, or is it one that you you just go, well, I've seen it, and you're not going to introduce other? Because to me, this is one of those that it's not a gateway drug bad film. I think this is one of those where when you find somebody who appreciates this type of cinema and they haven't seen it you get excited about introducing people to it and half of the fun is watching their expression. And like Brad said, Hey, hey pay attention to this scene, et cetera. But where, where does this one fit in sort of your bad movie list? Uh, this is definitely one of the worst funnest movies I've seen. Um, so kind of what you guys have been alluding to, you kind of have to know that someone enjoys these horrible movies and horrible is relative, of course, but it, it's just a lot of fun if you like this type of movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. So are we ready for the question then? Yeah. I think this goes on the Rushmore of bad movies though, right? Yeah. I, I, it would, oh, it would yeah. be a face oh, yeah. on, on the Rushmore of bad movies, 100%. <laughs> would you use Robert Zadar's face? <laughs> would, okay. Is there That's a like... question? I, I, hey, Matt Hannon, awesome. Samurai Cup. Yeah. Why would you not use Robert Zadar's I face? Know. I know. Yeah. That was a dumb question. Okay. Um, so I, I was I was looking at the second one, and Tommy Wiseau was in the second one as the bad guy. And yeah. I think at that point in time, the snake has gone ahead and started eating its tail. And again, I just think I'm not ever going to go down that road. That, that's a good point. I mean, this is lightning in a bottle. I really think it has a passion to be a good, thrilling action film. Yeah, they it's were not. trying. 
they yeah. try. It it is lethal weapon, like you said, two or three in this case, without much of the lethalness or or many weapons. Weapons. Yeah. Um, yeah, we forgot to mention the guns. So one of the critiques of this movie <laughs> is that like a lot of the shootouts are like. Washington and Samurai Cop versus like one or two guys, and it's because they didn't have enough guns for the henchmen to have, so they had to like Tell kill off a guns. guy, and then they had to like give that gun to someone else. Uh, yeah, yeah. And That's some of the henchmen, there's a black guy with a shotgun who takes a shot to the chest, to the gut, and like another yes. one, and he's still alive. I'm like, man, they don't he's understand tough. how bullets work. No, it's anyway. tough, man. Anyway, all right, let's let's go ahead. Well, Sorry. no, I did, you make a good point about the sequel. Like, uh, I I don't think I'll ever watch the sequel. When when you get to that point where, um, and, and Matt Hannon even talks about this in interviews, he did not know its popularity or its cult status until later, and then once they discover it, I think there's a lot of people who go back and try and revisit it. And so when they're doing Samurai Cop Two, they're they are now being self-referential. They're self-aware, right? Um, and they are, are trying to say, well, let's go back and make a bad film. I don't think you can intentionally make a bad film. At that point, it becomes a boring film. I think these are the type of films that you get a filmmaker and they have a passion and a vision. Like Amir's vision is 100% all over this thing. I haven't seen Samurai, Samurai Cop 2, but I, I think that director's vision, just from an outsider not experiencing it, is somebody who goes, I want to capitalize on the cult status of this and just make a a new bad film and and again my my personal take is when you try to make a bad film you're, you're making a boring film yeah you make a terrible film not a bad film right so i'm gonna start with you nathan the question obviously the name of the podcast is not a bomb we had lots of fun um including me just losing it during our sex talk um <laughs> but nathan uh the question is samurai cop is it a bomb? No, it's not a bomb. At all. It is not one ounce. It of is it. a super is a supernova of a bomb that <laughs> somehow is a negative negative becoming a positive. That's so that's some good watching. math. It's I understand fun. that math actually, um, which is amazing. So obviously it's scientific and it makes sense. So Brad, question to you. Is Samurai Cop a bomb? Samurai Cop is definitely not a bomb. Uh, this is one of my favorite bad movies. Um, we've done quite a few. I mean, we've done Chopping Mall is one of my favorite like bad horror movies. This is one of my favorite bad action movies, along with Miami Connection. I don't ever want to see The Room again or Birdemic, so I don't think we'll ever do those. So I think we're we're good on that. So this is one of my go-to bad movies. Um, and it's one of those movies also where we kind of hinted at it and said it before, but when you find someone who's in the right mindset and who can really sit down and enjoy this, like it's fun just to kind of watch their reactions and say, okay, now watch this scene. Cause it's going to be a hard cut to sex. And you're just like, and they're like, what? And you're like, I know. Right. So yeah, it's one of those movies where you're like, I know. Right. I agree a hundred percent. I, I, I don't think I can add too much to what you guys have talked about. I think the perfect description is if you're building a Mount Rushmore of bad film uh, faces, Robert Zadar would be up there specifically for Samurai Cop. It's um, ineptitude is glorious. And I find so much joy in just watching, you know, the wig stuff and the intercuts are, are awesome. Don't get me wrong. 
the delivery of dialogue is so bad in this film that I cherish it. I could just sit there and listen to it all day. It's it's so bad, but yeah, well, it's like definitely eighty percent of it is not was actually was in that scene. I know, and it's it's so amazing. Yeah, I <laughs> so, um, I and I don't think the YouTube clips do this thing justice. I mean, you can watch some of these clips and go, "Oh my God, what's going on?" You have to watch this thing in its entirety. But again, listeners, I would not blindly recommend this thing. If you're one that just hate, I mean, my wife fell asleep halfway during, she got, so, she was doing so many eye rolls that she passed out. Um, so if you're not into this type of film, stay far away from this one. But if you can really appreciate just terrible films, I, you, and you haven't seen this one, again, watch it with a group of people, like-minded, bad movie lovers, and, and you'll love it. So, God, that wig, that wig is so good. It, it really is, I got to say. Um, so, Brad, a couple of things we like to talk about um, before we get into the business about how people contact us. Um, did you listen to the latest episode of VHS Files? I did. So, did you listen to Heather's or Phantasm? Uh, well, I listened to Heather's. Actually, to be perfectly honest with you, I listened to Heather's. Because I've never seen Heather's before. Um, Are you serious? I, yeah, I, it's one of those '80s movies I just never saw. Um, and I don't know. From their discussion, there's some problematic parts to it, and I don't know if I'm, I don't know, down for that anymore. But I might go back and watch it. I, I don't know. I don't know. And I have to. Okay, so last time I called Josh Joe like four times. And I sent him a. <laughs> I sent him a message and said. I'm an idiot. I can't get first names right. Troy can't get last names right. Yes. I called you Joe. I know your name is Josh. Uh, so then now he's calling me Bob, which I 100% deserve. But um, yeah. You call me Charlie. So none yeah, of us know. can get names right. So yeah. uh, no, I just finished Phantasm and I'm so glad that they tackled that one. Um, did they Did they like it? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're doing a little subsection. You know, that's the horror section I think they're yeah. doing. And then Heather's was part of their, their prime one. But go te- check out VHS Files. We love them. Um, our other one uh, that we kind of talk about on a constant basis is Friends with Cinefets. Um, I forget what Alex is doing this week because I just finished. I'm, I'm playing catch up on that one. I did uh, his last or Midsummer was the last one I listened to. And then real quick, we have a listener who had a birthday yesterday and he's uh, participated in some comments and, and sent us some information. But Parasite, by the way. Oh, Parasite? Okay, good. Um, But happy birthday to one of our listeners in Indiana, Josh. Um, Thank you for listening. And uh, also, thank you for giving me grief about not seeing National Treasure. Um, But it's still not going to push it up against the list. Again, I don't know how... Like... Well, How do you not just wake up on a Saturday and it's like not on TV. Like it's like I National know. Treasure. So here's the thing. I was kind of like, oh, it's Josh's birthday. Maybe I'll watch National Treasure. But you know what? Another recommendation caught my eye, and it's from our friend Randy, who said, um, "Look, because we put a, a post up there about your favorite um, Nick Cage film, and uh, our good friend Randy had suggested Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. So you know what? I put that sucker in Saturday, thinking." I'm going to watch it, maybe mention something about it, you know, on this show. Brad, we're going to we're going to review that one in January or February. That one's getting pushed up on the list. So okay. I'm going to save all my comments and um, say a big thank you to Randy for making me watch that. Apologize to Josh because I don't know when I'm going to watch National Security. You know, someday. National Treasure. <laughs> Na- well, yeah, right. that one. Wait, I've seen National Security. That's the Martin Lawrence one, right? Gets it right. And okay. there's a sequel. Either way, not 
probably going to pick those up. I was going to say it's National Treasure Book of Secrets, but I think that's Blair Witch Project. Isn't that Blair no, Witch Project 2 Book of Secrets? You might be right. Oh. It's National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets? I don't know. Is it? Now oh, we have know. to figure it out. Now we We're have to... derailing. No, um, listen, Brad, look. It is. People... It is Book of Secrets. Okay. But wait, is it Blair Witch Project 2 Book, of, Book of Shadows? Oh, Book of Shadows. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> anyway. Man, uh, God. I feel like a squirrel goes by and we're like, oh, squirrel. Um, uh, Twitter. Not a bomb pod. Um, Instagram, not a bomb pod. And Gmail for suggestions. Feedback is not a bomb podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we're getting some suggestions and December is already laid out, but February, January and February of 2021 guys we're almost through 2020 can so you believe excited. it i'm I know. so excited to get done with this year we're uh yeah and i think troy and i are gonna you know kind of really hammer on this list to try to whittle it down but people keep suggesting good movies and we keep adding so it's gonna be a never-ending battle which is good because once we stop having movies on the list i guess we stop doing this podcast so uh, please keep suggesting stuff what else oh next week do you want to know next week <laughs> Yeah, so um, November, because we record on Sundays, by default, you get to pick another turkey. I thought we were only going to do like four turkeys. We're doing five. I've been waiting for this one, Brad, because you, you've thrown out so many different titles. And I think the one you picked, I've never seen. So Yeah, what? so um, a little background, and I'll get into it later. Um, when I was little, I went to a neighbor's house for like a baby. She watched me during the day. Um, she watched kind of a lot of neighborhood kids um, looking back on, it, I think it might've been illegal because she had too many kids and not enough adults. But anyway, uh, we would watch like movies, you know, during the afternoon or whatever. Um, and one of the ones that we would watch is called solar babies from 1986. Um, it is directed by Alan Johnson, which Troy, you need to do some research on Alan Johnson because okay. you'll like it. All right. Um, it's a post-apocalyptic movie where there's some Nazi imagery and the best way to roam the earth that is now covered in sand is through roller skates, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but anyway. Um, what are you, you going to make me watch, dude? Yeah. Sounds so I watched, so I have, so I saw this movie when I was like five or six and Years went by where I tried to figure out what this damn movie was called because I couldn't think of it. And back in the day, you know, in the 90s, like, the internet wasn't really what it was. So it wasn't until, you know, probably I'm in high school or around, like, 2000, I finally figure out that this movie that I saw when I was little was called Solar Babies. Lo and behold, like, 15 years later, the damn thing comes out on Blu-ray. I'm like, well, I have to see it. I have to buy it. I have to buy it. So, of course, I buy it. And now, five years later after that, I'm making Troy watch it for the first time. So, uh, Yeah, I thought you were making be... it up. When you were like, the movie's called Solar Babies, and it's a post-apocalyptic roller skating film. <laughs> like, what in the hell are you talking yeah. about? It's also known as Solar Warriors or Solar Fighters as well. So, um, well, you got... So, you... I had to go find it. You got the Deutschland version, didn't you? Yeah, because apparently the Blu-ray that you have is out of print. So I'm, I'm like, well, where, where do I find Solar Babies? And nah, unless you want to pay a hundred bucks for Blu-ray. Yeah, I've got two. 
you have oh you you should sell one i know i was just thinking <laughs> you'll about make, that you'll make some money um but i could find like a, a region b uh version of it on blu-ray called solar fighters or solar warriors or something like that so um that did come in thank you ebay um and it and it's from germany because apparently it's a big thing over there um but I'm, I'm curious to do a little bit of well i'm german so that makes sense okay um I, i'm curious to do some research on this because i didn't know it had like a bunch of people from the lost boys were in it yeah see and that and that's kind of yeah yeah so I, if everybody's playing along though and you want to catch next week's movie you can rent it I think on Vudu um, and some of the streaming subscriptions. So yeah, it's available. I'm going to look right now just to confirm at the time of this recording. Yeah, Solar if, Babies is Vudu and Amazon yeah. to rent. So you can $3. rent it there. Yeah. So, uh, but if maybe you, rent it first before you buy it. <laughs> well, I, we'll get into a whole discussion on on my uh, streaming versus. And I, at the end of the day, I want to own all the films that we talk about just so that. Um, when I'm in a retirement home or in your yeah, room you next to me, I can yeah. yell at you and, you know, you made me watch Solar Babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to make me watch Remo when we're 75. I'm going to put the pillow over your head and put you out of your misery. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's going to Oh, he just, he just died. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Sir, you're holding the pillow over his face. I know. But since I'm a student of Shinanju, I'll be fine. Uh, huh. Yeah. Uh, was that another bingo, a Remo well reference? Yes. Yeah, okay, yes, it good. is. <laughs> Nathan, thanks, man. I'm I'm sorry you had to endure Samurai Cop, and it wasn't like a Kira Kurosawa pretentious classic film. <laughs> Dude, you made your you no, made your thank wife you guys. You made your What's wife that? watch that movie. You made your wife watch that movie. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's another thing I'll add to 2020 and how horrible it's gonna be. <laughs> you think when she, she won't let me on- soon forget? She she's not going to remember 2020 fondly for a variety of reasons now. So <laughs> so she's going to tell everybody that's the year I watched Samurai Cop. 2020 was the worst. There was COVID in Samurai Cop. That's how she's going to equate it. Oh man. Well, it was a pleasure having you, man. I, we had so much fun talking, and we want to have you back um, on something that's not so bad. Uh, we'll, we'll get a quality one that you can talk about. Um, but you have homework. We're sending you a list. Um, we need you to study up on some alien technology. And some alien research so that you believe. But on top of that, you have a whole list of buddy cop films to watch. But um, I can't thank you enough. That I do. Can't thank you enough for for taking time out of your busy schedule and um, showing up. So, Brad, anything else? So I was just was thinking since he brought up Akira Kurosawa, and I'm a pretty big fan as well. His one of his movies called Dreams. Oh um, yeah. Did really bad. So maybe we'll have Nathan on to do that. So anyway, add um, that to the list, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry. What were you saying? I wasn't paying attention. You never do. Okay. (laughs) No, is it anything else, man? Uh, No, I think we're, I think we're good. So next week's our last Turkey. Um, Everyone have a good Thanksgiving. I know uh, this year seems like we don't have a lot to be thankful for, but we're still here. We're still going. So let's all try to be thankful for at least something. I am thankful for you, Brad. It has been a crazy, crazy year. What, what, what's crazy about it is, uh, a, a friend that I just lost recently that was really close. Um, her birthday was today. And the only thing that really kind of got me through the day was knowing that I was going to sit down and talk with you and Nathan. So I really appreciate that. I, I'm most yeah. thankful for these nights that we can kind of escape a little bit and, um, talk films, but, um, I'm really thankful for anybody listening. I hope 
that you have an amazing Thanksgiving. I know it's going to be different. You're probably not doing a lot of traveling. You're trying, you know, you're staying safe, but, um, at we're, least we're going to be better for that. Yeah. And, and hopefully you're with, yep. you know, at least your, your core family and friends and, um, everybody is, uh, just being safe. So, uh, I don't know when you're listening, if it's in the morning, afternoon or evening, I hope you're having an amazing day as always. Thank you for listening and get ready for a post apocalyptic roller skating movie. next week. So with that, have an awesome day folks. He's burning.